What is going on, everybody? Welcome into another edition of Cheers from the Press Box. I'm your host, Brennan Tassif, joined, as always, by the Beanie Boy himself, Headphone Joe. What's up, man? What's going on, Brennan? Uh, I'm running on fumes right now, folks, so just be aware. Running on fumes. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. Full disclosure, major life events happening this last week. Sorry the episode is a few days late, but we did want to time it with the end of the NBA Finals. If you're new to the show, I'm going to give you a quick rundown. The poten- hold on, First, we're going to do the kick. You mean, you mean the potential of the end of the NBA Finals? The potential ending of the NBA Finals. It was going to end. Yeah. Me, but we'll get to that. We had no idea. We will get to that. So we had if you're new no to the show... Idea. We're going to do the uh, kickoff, which will focus on some main topics and some of the major sports. After that, we're going to do the quick hits, which will be um, a collection of three, three to five questions slash uh, tertiary sports topics. Joe and I want to talk about. Then we will do the walk off, which is a short essay portion of the show, followed by the press conference. We will pedal our wares. But we're going to start this week the same way we do every single week with the kickoff. Joe. Ready to return the opening kickoff. Perfect way to kick off. Here we go. Again, want to let everybody know, episode is a few <laughs> days late. Joe was in Vegas. Yes, I was, was at my new place in New York City getting set yes, up. Yes, was. Congratulations, buddy. So it was... Thank you. I appreciate it. I am back in Jacksonville. AC's not working, so if you hear the fan in the background... Suck it up, Buttercup, because it is hot <laughs> as balls in this house right now. I got my fan on Joe. as well because I got fire takes and fire opinions. So, deal oh, with Buttercup. speaking of hot as balls and fire takes, the Valley of Fire, <laughs> NBA Finals, Phoenix Suns, the Valley of Fire taking on the Milwaukee Bucks, game six at home. So, a lot of catching up to do. Last time we Milwaukee. spoke, it was tied 2 2. No. Yeah, at home last, for the Bucks. No, 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 Brennan. No, no, no. Last time we spoke, no, it was 2-0. You know how I know that? I think how? <laughs> I think Milwaukee gets it right today, and I think they do the 06 heat, and I think they do the 2011. Oh, my God, you have the clip. where they just go win four straight. <laughs> and I think you you're outside of, of your mind. I believe mind. you had that. Uh-oh, hold ah. on. Hold on. And I think you're outside of your mind. What, what was that, Brennan? And I think you're outside of your mind. <laughs> one more time. For I the cannot people believe. In the back. He, and I think you're outside right. of your mind. <laughs> he clipped I, it. Milwaukee I read the Bucks. the entire third quarter hoping that they pulled it off. So me clipping this would not be for waste. <laughs> you called it. You called it. I'm wildly disappointed. So like I said, the AC was broken in my house. It was a little warm. I'm watching the game and I'm like screaming at the TV. So at one point, Phoenix was up by seven. uh, And I was like, all right, backs against the wall. You cannot simulate that kind of uh, necessity to win. You can't manufacture that. They have to have their backs against the wall. And Chris Paul is going to lead this team to the promised land. And then they that lead started slipping away. Um, Chris Paul was... (laughs) He came out in the third quarter. All of a sudden, uh, Milwaukee started clawing their way back. And then Camp Payne was missing, wildly missing shots. 
Drew Holiday was even getting into the action on offense. And I started screaming at the TV. And my girlfriend was like, you were being way too aggressive. So <laughs> when the Bucks went up by four, I'm going to be honest with the entire listening audience. When they went up by four in the fourth quarter, I went and took a fucking nap because I <laughs> could no longer stand to watch this. Joe, what did you take away from this whole thing? From the series and from this last game in particular, what I took away was what I thought like three years ago, four years ago when Stu God said it. When I first moved to Atlanta, I was walking. I lived in Midtown. I was walking to a CVS around the corner. And Stu Gotts of the Dan Lebitar Show said, everybody, win your championships now because Giannis Antetokounmpo is going to win them all after that. And I was like... After year after year after year, for the last three years, I was like, they're getting so close, but they're not getting there. And this year, I just saw something different from the team as a whole. Like I said all year, once they got Drew you Holiday. Did. You had this from the jump. Once they got Drew Holiday and uh, he put the clamps on Chris Paul and Devin Booker. He was just. And Devin he, Booker. Yeah. He was so quick to steal the ball and he was so strong they couldn't push him away and get enough separation so he was really the biggest difference defensively over Eric Bledsoe in past years in the past couple of years when they tried to do it with him but um, no the, the, the crown goes to Giannis Giannis had a 50 burger <laughs> and five blocks <laughs> he had he had yeah he, uh, he played he out of his mind he was game. definitely the difference maker he had the 40 point game in game two and then after that is when i called they were gonna yep. win the rest and then he had a 40 point game right after that has a 50 piece here middleton had a 40 burger uh the last game all three of them middleton holiday and antacumpo had 27 plus and i think that was like yeah. the first time a trio of teammates have ever done that in the finals so yeah they just came out with an intensity that uh, Phoenix couldn't match. And Phoenix, Phoenix, for all their shot-making ability, they were eating up the mid-range, but they weren't hitting their threes. So if you're going to play a mid-range no, game with a team that's bigger, stronger than you, you're going to lose that at the end of the day. Devin Booker went 0 for 7 from 3. Phoenix only hit 6. That's six. He only hit 6 threes total today they're yeah, not gonna win, win games way. like that they're not gonna win games like that yeah i was disappointed because this was the story in the west um and we've talked about it on here a bunch these teams going up 2-0 at home um or even on the road and i i just you called it i guess i don't follow basketball closely enough because i'm like watching these teams win these games and i'm like you know they're up 2-0 you know, they blew them out in at least one of those two games. Like, this is uh, like, I keep bringing this up, but the Dallas Clippers thing, like, I was like, oh, this is mm -hmm. over. And I said that for that series, I said that um, in this series, Clippers, I Utah. said that, uh, yeah, I said, yeah, I said it. And that's it. And so it's, it was weird because I have no horse in this race. Like, neither of these teams are my teams, but I picked Phoenix and six. So, to watch the way this went down after the start that they had, I was like, Aiton can hang with Ante DeCumpo, at least offensively. You know, Drew Holiday's not going to give them anything offensively. His defense is, you know, it's not overrated, but it's not going to be enough to slow them down. And it was. They are now NBA Finals 
champions. Yeah. Um, one of the biggest, and to go with the theme of the season and the playoffs, injuries played a factor. I think one of the biggest takeaways from the series was when in game one, Dar- Dario Sarge got hurt. And that changed Phoenix's yeah. entire rotation because Aiden had to play more minutes and then more potential to get in foul trouble. This then he was already playing. He was already playing a ton. Exactly. Yeah. So he was just well. That was the other thing too is to get fouled. So yeah, that was the thing was um, he wasn't fouling out. Uh, I don't think he had fouled out of a game uh, going up to this series, and then and this year, and I, that's another big thing I was thinking. I was like, Aiton doesn't get in foul trouble. Like he's a big man, but he's athletic and he doesn't get in foul trouble. This whole series, he was tiptoeing around foul trouble, except for yeah. game one. Other than that, you know, he eventually, uh, one of those, it uh, was two or three, he fouled out completely. This mm. game, um, in the third, the beginning of the third quarter, he already got his fourth foul. And I was like, yeah. what the fuck is going on? Like, Started the fourth quarter. He so, has fifth congrats. Foul. Yes. Congrats to the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, I'm super disappointed for Chris Paul. This will now be his legacy. That game four, that abysmal, horrific game that he had, that's 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 going to be his butt fumble, if as it were, if that makes um, sense. Like Yeah, game four. Yeah, game four is when he got stripped. Uh, Drew Holiday. Yeah, he had like nine turnovers in that game. At the end of the game, yeah. he had the one on Chris Paul in four, and then he had the one on Booker in five. Yep. Yeah. Um, worth it. And trust me, in the first two games of the series, did not think that trade was worth it. But after all the dust settled, worth it. Yeah. I called it out, Brennan. Now, if you remember, I did not only call Bucks and four once they got here. After they went down two, I believe before game one, I told you before game one of the net series, as I started my new job, I said, I think Milwaukee's going to win it all. <laughs> and you that did. looked really I bad. I was looking really at everybody like they were insane. <laughs> and I was, I anytime, whether it was you or Michael Wilbon or Tony Kornheiser or some of these guys I listened to, like uh, Bill it Simmons. Never them. Anytime they even. Wilbon's no, they, no, because they didn't think Milwaukee could win it. Mm-hmm. But um, anytime anybody even sniffed Milwaukee winning this series, I was like, you are. Outside your mind. Yeah, outside that wasn't a drop. Was, That's me saying it again. Um, and I think you're outside of your mind. <laughs> there we go. That's what I thought whenever anybody said, because I just thought Phoenix was faster. Phoenix was more athletic. Phoenix had the better offense. I just thought, but Giannis was like, no, I am the most dominant player in this series. And I'm going to show you why right now. And he yeah. did. So congrats to the champs, the Bucks. The problem was Phoenix just got stagnant. They um eventually they just uh stopped passing the ball around and it was just ISO ball. And again, yeah, that's what it turned gonna, into. If you're gonna play ISO ball and not hit your threes, and then you're gonna go two for two with the bigger team, that team's gonna and that team defends better. Like you lost, you lost. <laughs> well, in that Chris Paul situation, like you know, there's no excuses. Everyone's hurt this time of the year. But, you know, they needed uh, Cam to step up and he just he could not. At least in uh, it's recency bias because I'm talking about the game that we just watched. But he could not step up for Chris Paul. I was say he stepped and up. That and was I think disappointing. It was the, I think it was the second quarter where he came on and immediately got 10 points and he ended the game with those same 10 points. Yeah, that was it. 
Because when I was watching, I like I said, I was super excited. I was like, here we go. They're up by seven. Let's rock and roll. Then in the third quarter, it started, you know, started losing it. And then you just heard that crowd going crazy. And I'm I've I'm I'm good with the cuts to the uh to the open like field outside of the arena and like oh, oh there's sixty five thousand people out here. Like I'm all right. You don't have to keep cutting to that. Like I'm good. One, you don't have to keep cutting to that. And two, that is a health hazard. That is I feel yeah. I'm scared for the city of Milwaukee the next couple of weeks because yeah, there's we'll still variants. Happens, but hey, they have an NBA championship. Yeah, yeah, but they have a championship now. So whatever, Delta Delta Schmelta, we've got an NBA championship. The only Delta they're concerned about is the airline. Hey, oh, flying the players back, baby. Anything else? Damn it! Look at that. <laughs> we know each other so well. I, I jumped to- you, jumping me. God, we're the same person. Ladies and gentlemen, as you know, if you are I can't even put an effort in there. I know. Joe lost his voice in Vegas, and I'm tired of shit, but I know how to fake it. So here we go. I don't. If you have been following the show, you are very aware we are previewing different divisions every single week leading up to the NFL season, training camp starting next week. This week, we're going to be previewing the NFC West. What we decided to do was we're also going to throw the over-unders in here. So that way we can kind of have a foundation of, because we've been saying the last couple of weeks, oh, this team will be bad. This team will be good. But we didn't really have a foundation to go on. So for this week on the NFC West preview, we're going to start with the worst team to the team that won the division. And we're going to also talk about the over-under. So Joe, first team ravaged by injuries last year, the San Francisco 49ers over under. Finished last in the division uh, this past year, but their over-under is 10.5 moving into the 2021 season. Where are you at with the San Francisco Um, 49ers? I don't know if they'll be 10.5. I don't don't think they'll hit the over on that. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo, they're talking as if he's (laughs) going to be the day one starter. And if he's a day one starter, definitely not. The defense... Um, even though the front is still good, they've lost. I want to say they lost two of their starting corners. They might have signed um, one of them. I don't remember. Uh, and also they lost their defensive coordinator, who's now the uh, head coach of the Jets. And that was a big calling card. Even though they didn't have their quarterback last year, they could always hang their hat on that defense. So I, I, I'm never, I'm, ne- I'm still confused how they got to the Super Bowl the one year, honestly, because. Like even their skilled players, the names aren't anything that you're terrified of when you see it on the stat sheet. They just have a good offensive system. So if Trey Lance could get in there, absorb everything super fast, and be the day one starter, I think they have an opportunity. If Jimmy Garoppolo, as they're saying, is going to be the day one starter, they're going to start off bad and end up in a hole and then rely on a rookie to get them out of that. And it's not going to help because this is one of the toughest divisions. Yeah, so I agree with you, um, but I'm going to be, you were more tentative saying, I don't think they're going to hit the over. I'm going to hard ride the under. Um, they've already had six major injuries. Um, That's and right. Camp hasn't even started well. yet. I forgot about them. Yeah, they've had injuries on the defensive side of the ball, their offensive line. Like you said, the defensive coordinator is no longer there. No one's worried about the offense in a Kyle Shanahan system because the offense like you said, it's a system offense. You can plug in the, I could fucking play quarterback in that offense and do decent. Uh, (laughs) But um, I've got under hard. 
Uh, they do have a lot of, they were ravaged by injuries last year and we've seen it with other teams, mainly uh, Joe's team, the Philadelphia Eagles. Once you get ravaged by injury, that injury bug, it's hard. It's hard to kick it back into gear. And that happened to them the last couple of years. I think San Francisco is destined for this, you know, two or three year stretch where they just can't get all the pieces together. But good news by the time they get out of it. So this will be the second year. I think they're going to deal with it. Maybe they deal with it a little bit next year as well. But Trey Lance at that point, will have a couple years under his belt, some starts under his belt, and they'll be good to go. But I just think with some of the injuries that they sustained in OTAs going into this season, after what happened last year, there's no way they can get to 10.5. Jimmy Garoppolo is not going to have any confidence because he's got Trey Lance breathing down his neck. Like you said, Robert Sala's out of there. That defense is going to be a little bit different. So I don't see them getting to 10.5 at all. Mm-hmm. Moving on, so. the Cardinals. Your Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> no, they're your Arizona Cardinals. Over obviously. under. No, they're the, your Arizona Cardinals. You're rooting Cardinals. for the Phoenix Sun. You're rooting for the Arizona Cardinals there, right? Yeah. Over under is going to be eight. <clears throat> um, I think Arizona will, Cardinals have uh, made a few changes, but go ahead. What do you think? I'm sorry. I thought I was going to go first. Um, look, we're both off our game. This is, uh, my voice is killing me. Oh my gosh, this this show's gonna ruin my. Gonna ruin we're playing my injured life. this week. Call us Chris Paul, baby. Uh, call me Giannis. You saw how his leg. Speaking of, his leg got bent back like two weeks ago, and he I just know. had a fifty burger to end the finals. I know. Insane. I don't want anybody to forget that. But um, the Cardinals, the Cardinals are gonna be better than eight wins because they're gonna they're gonna get to play the 49ers who are gonna be who are already injury riddled. Um, they shored up the defense. They got Isaiah Simmons. Did they go? Yeah, they got Isaiah Simmons last year in the draft. Parsons was the linebacker yeah. this year. Um, the guys I believe he was hurt of last year. <laughs> yes. Um, they got J.J. Watt back there. Uh, also, they still have Chandler Jones. Um, you got D-Hop coming back. They went and got A.J. Green, who's another veteran presence. So I don't remember who their running back is. It might still be Kane Let's not forget Great. Larry Fitzgerald. Is, did, did he resign? I thought he didn't have – I don't – did he resign? Is he officially back? Yeah, I thought his contract was up, and I don't yeah, remember almost... seeing him resign yet officially. Everybody's assuming he's coming back, but I just I never read if he actually did or not. Oh, you're right; he's not technically on the roster right now. Yeah, I was about to say I don't think he ever actually resigned. We're all just assuming he's going to be back, but yeah, we assume he's going to be yeah, back. Yeah, I just so. assumed he'd be back. <clears throat> and they got Christian Kirk, who's a good young guy. Um, I want to say the last two years or the last year. But, um, yeah, no, I, I definitely think they're going to be over eight wins. Uh, they're a team that they have playoff aspirations right now. Uh, and I think they could potentially sneak in there. I think they could find their way into the playoffs. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll end my statement there. Okay. Um, they picked up some great talent on defense um, this year in the draft. Wow. So they got David Collins in the first round with the 16 pick. He's a linebacker out of Tulsa, a little undersized, but everyone projected him. If he went to a bigger school, he'd probably be a, a, you know, a top 10 pick. My biggest thing right now is the coaching staff. So everyone thought Cliff Kingsbury is going to come in here and unlock um, this offense, this high powered, highfalutin, you know, at last year it was Larry Fitzgerald, DeAndre Hopkins, Kyler Murray. We're going to get it going. Um, And then Kyler Murray had an okay rookie season, as I love to point out on this show. 
Um, you know, he didn't do better than Gardner Minshew. Still won MVP, but Gardner Minshew had better stats his rookie, rookie season, year, same MVP. year. Anyway, or excuse me, I'm sorry. You know what I meant. Um, I was just making sure. But you- um, <laughs> I don't think Cliff Kingsbury can unlock Kyler Murray. I think Kyler Murray's size does hurt him a little bit, trying to see over those big offensive linemen and some of the style that they run. Cause they run that same Shanahan, Sean McVay offense. And I just, I don't think Cliff Kingsbury is getting it done with Kyler Murray. The normally the biggest leap a quarterback will take is from his first to his second year. And that was not the case in Arizona. Um, it was wins, the case. I think, so this is going to was hold on, hold on, cut you off because you just have a lot of Kyler Murray hate. So I just have to refute a couple of things. It did look really good until he ended up getting nicked up towards the end of the season. Up until the uh, Hail Murray, he looked phenomenal and he looked on pace to be uh, a MVP candidate. And then he got a couple injuries to his foot and to his arm. And then that's kind of where it went downhill. So you can. But you that's can what say, I wanted to bring up. You can say who the durability th- is the issue, but don't say he's not a good player. Yeah. No, I would never say Kyler Murray is not a good player. What I'm saying is actually quite the opposite. I'm agreeing with you. We're doing that thing where we think we're arguing, but we're actually talking. <laughs> we're, we're agreeing arguing. with each other because I'm saying the way Cliff Kingsbury is putting him in those situations mm. to open himself up to getting hit. I think that's the downfall. If that makes mm-hmm. sense, I think it's Cliff Kingsbury's coaching versus Kyler's Murray, Kyler Murray's um, play. I think Cliff is putting him in these um, un good, I guess, for lack of a better term, <laughs> these vulnerable situations. There and then he's go. getting nicked up and he's a smaller guy, you know, so he you know, if he gets hit, he really gets hit. So I, I don't know. I, I just don't think I don't think. It's Cliff is going to work out in Arizona. I've got them above eight wins. I know I talked all that shit, but I actually <laughs> do have them on the over just because it's a 17 game season. I think they will be above 500, but I don't think they're going to be much higher than that. Well, there's no really 500 unless you get a tie nowadays. But um, yeah. one point well, I do want to mention uh, two, two things. One, I never had faith in Cliff Kingsbury. He had a losing record in college. He was not supposed to get this job. Yeah, you did have that. OC we talked about that a few USC. weeks ago. This guy's annoying. Um, he's just a handsome looking guy. That's why he got the job. And he's white. Anyway, um, also, I knew a, a, quarterback, a quarterback that did take a leap from... Uh, when Second you said handsome, year. I was like, oh, wow. He he left those high-standing <laughs> vegetables just right there on the vine. He didn't even take oh, it. Yeah, come on. You know, you know he jabbed it and that down. Um, but uh, another qu- a quarterback that did take a huge lead from second to third year was last year's MVP candidate who I've held off yeah, for a long Josh time. Allen. But Josh Allen, yes. But that's well, Josh Allen is more the outlier than the rule. Okay. I don't have research behind. Would you agree or, or disagree? <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't either. It's just I have a lot no of talking heads that I listen to I'm always say it's first and second that's year, not second to third year. <laughs> something that's always, it's always been, been said. said. So I just take it as the truth. <laughs> I want to say, yeah. you know what, Carson? I want to say it's his third year that we went to the Super Bowl, and that was a big leap before he got hurt in Week Eleven. Second year for Nick Foles, though. That was not Nick Foles' second year. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just wanted to see if you were going to think about it. It was like Nick Foles, like, yeah, that was like his 12th year. Um, But so I've got the um, over. You've got the over. Yes. Now I'm going to let you wax for work about your favorite team. 
Yeah, my favorite team um, in the NFC, by far, probably the best quarterback in this division, probably the best quarterback in the NFC, whoa, other whoa, than Tom whoa, Brady. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I saw, whoa. You, I saw you roll away from your microphone. I wanted to use your attention. Um, <laughs> we're talking about the Los Angeles Rams. Their over-under is 10.5, hard on the over, best defense in the NFC, other than the Buccaneers, bringing a lot of those pieces back. Um they got Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald. I don't know if I said Jaylen Aaron Ramsey. Donald. Um, but then, um, no, but they have a very solid secondary. Um, they do have a very good uh, defensive line overall, but obviously Aaron Donald, what is he? 12 time defensive player of the year. <laughs> um, that guy's a monster. I um, also think that Sean McVay is going to be, I mean, I don't, have to think it. I know it because he said it openly that having Matthew Stafford is a phenomenal upgrade compared to Jared Goff. I think he's going to be able to unlock his total offense with how smart that's his words, not mine. I I think he'll be able to unlock the total. Yeah. And I think he'll be able to open up that entire playbook that he wants to do. Um, Having a, a high IQ, huge arm quarterback like Matthew Stafford who didn't get his, you know, proper due, obviously, in Detroit because he was, you know, getting his ass kicked. So, mm. plus, they're returning a lot of guys on this offensive line, and you know that's my biggest thing. So, I, I, I've i got the over, and I've got the over hard. Also, want to point this out. On the Los Angeles Rams website, you know who's not pictured for the um, the five players that they have pictured, like on their cover photo? You know who's not up there? Uh, no. Matthew Stafford? Jalen Ramsey. Oh, wow. wow. Did he yeah, Matthew signed, Stafford's right? not there either, but Jalen Ramsey's there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they got him. They just, he's kind of a, an asshole. Um, take it from me. Anyway, That's, Joe, just... what do you think about the Rams? Um, Before I get to the Rams, I just want to say Matthew Stafford is probably, probably the most overrated quarterback ever. Probably ever. Taking app. Applications for a new uh, <laughs> uh Matthew Stafford was in when he was a junior in high school. They said he was going to be the number one overall pick. He then went on to win nothing in high school. He went on to win nothing in college when he was surrounded by talent at Whoa. Georgia. What that did he Georgia win in team? I don't know if you remember what did this they or win, not. Though? But what did that they Georgia win? team was ninety nine overall on offense. But what did they win? This is not NCAA. I, I, right? I'm just saying, no Sean Moreno and him, man. That, I remember and they won because I remember that was exactly. the um, that was the um, NCAA. I believe I was on, if I'm not mistaken. Oh my gosh, NCAA. Anyway. And then uh, he went on to <laughs> win nothing in Detroit. He made it to three playoff games, but won none of them. And yeah, he's just coasted on being better than. The better than the Lions, basically making the Lions halfway <laughs> relevant is why everybody says he's a good quarterback, but he's done actually nothing to show for it. And he's benefited from one being a number one overall pick and having one of the last big contracts and two putting up gaudy numbers in an era where everyone kind of puts up gaudy numbers. So that's one. He is very good, but he's not transcendent. All right. I just want to get that off my chest Two. Cam Akers yeah. went down today with an Achilles injury, so that's going to be a little upsetting for their running back core. Um, they also lost one of their corners, Troy Hill, and they lost John Johnson, uh, their safety. They both went to Cleveland. So 
though I'm I'm satisfied with their front, their the, the corners are going to be something to pay attention to to see if they can hold up through the duration of the season. Um, I I think somebody has to win this division, and I don't know if Seattle will do it. Uh, we'll get to them in a second. So I think the Rams may just luck into it, but I think it's going to be more so dumb luck. I don't think they're going to be a team. I don't have them as a real Super Bowl threat, but they are talented enough, mainly because Aaron Donald's there and Jalen Ramsey. And Aaron Donald and Aaron Donald. Did I say Aaron Donald? Um, so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we're on the same page. We're both taking the over. You have it as a dumb luck over. I have it as a very solid over. We'll talk yeah, about the team now who won. The, yeah. The team who won the division last year, the Seattle Seahawks, 9.5. Joe, you know how I feel about this. I am on record as saying I didn't think Russell Wilson would be on this team come the start of the season. Uh, that seems that all that drama has seems to have settled. Uh, now everyone's talking about Aaron Rodgers in Wisconsin, but, uh, where do you have the Seahawks? They got a 9.5 on the over under. Do you have them? They finished atop the division last year. Where do you have them finishing this year? I have them finishing just above that 9.5. Um, they've done a few things to improve a pretty bad defense from last year. And they've done not a ton to improve the offensive line that Russ was complaining about. They went and got Gerald Everett from the Lions. Uh, DK is their one. Tyler Lock is their two. Yeah, they're gonna the the, the Seahawks since the Legion of Boom has uh, essentially evaporated. Um, they've been just a really middling to poor defense and solely relying on Russ to be a magician and get them out of late game situations. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm not confident in this team whatsoever, but I'm confident in Russell Wilson's ability to get them at least 10 wins. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think Russell Wilson will get them to 10 wins. They did, um, resign, uh, Ethan pocket, their center, um, I think I'm saying, I hope I'm, I hope I have that right. Um, and then Gabe Jackson. So Mikey Upati, a uh, former pro bowl, all pro guard, someone I followed since he was drafted a uh, big fan of Mikey Upati. He, um, I just remember cause when I used to, when I used to really scout the draft, I was like, that is a crazy name. So that's why it stuck out in my head, but he retired. They went out and got Gabe Jackson, um, from the Raiders, uh, and then they have a uh, Dwayne Brown and Damian Lewis coming back um, along with Brandon shell. So they're returning three guys. Well, four guys technically, cause they re-signed the center. And then they went out and got this pro bowl caliber, excuse me. Yes. Pro bowl, not all pro, but pro bowl caliber guard to replace the U potty. So I'm hoping that offensive line can, as long as they stay healthy, the starter should hold up pretty well. Um, obviously Russell Wilson is normally good for about 10 wins every single season. And then they didn't have a whole lot of draft capital um, yeah. this year. So they didn't they really spent it all on Jamal. That's Adams. not really going to be. Yeah, exactly. And then they're having trouble resigning him. Um, so we'll <laughs> see what happens. Their defense, which like you mentioned, the Legion of Boom, that whole defense, that whole identity that they had uh, has kind of been lost over the years. And the big thing that I wanted to point out was last year, there was the let Russ cook narrative. And it seemed like coach Pete Carroll was going to let that happen the first couple of games. 
And then as soon as Russ had one bad game, Pete Carroll went back to his old school. We're going to run the ball and win with defense style. And, you know, he's 70 something years old. So I understand why he has that style. But immediately after Russ had like one bad game, they went back to that. And like literally Pete Carroll kicked him out of the kitchen. So we'll see. They no longer have their passing game coordinator. He's now uh, with the Jaguars. So we'll see what happens with that offense. But but they do the have last, since they lost Adam Gase. That's true. Oh, I forgot about that. Uh, but <laughs> since the loss of Marshawn Lynch, they, this whole smash you in the mouth kind of style that they've tried to have has, ne- has not worked in the last three or four years. Their running backs keep getting hurt constantly. It's a carousel over there. No one ever stands above the others. Um, and they don't have a difference maker when it comes to that backfield. So I just think I've got the under. Or excuse me, I've got the over, but just barely. So I've got the way I've got this division shaking out is I'm going to have Rams, Seahawks, uh, Cardinals, Niners. Excuse me, Rams, Seahawks, Niners, Cardinals. Say it one more time. Rams, Seahawks, Niners, Cardinals. Rams, Seahawks, Niners, Cardinals. So you have everybody in the division being over 500. No. You said yes. in your review of the no, Cardinals no. that they would be over 500. I did. <laughs> so that's the thing. I'm <laughs> waffling back and forth. So I wanted to say Rams, Seahawks, Cardinals, 49ers, but that 10.5 really scares me off from putting them last in the division because I don't want this to get clipped and come back to haunt me. I'm the only one doing so clipping here. So. I- yeah, I mean, I guess I'm gonna and have this, to stick with what I what I said with my overrunners. This is way too far out for me to remember. I have to, to stick with it. This is way too far out for me I have to, to do to the clipping on that. I got Rams heavy over, so I've got the Rams going like 15 and two or 14 <laughs> and three. Then I've got the Seahawks at like 10 and seven. Then then yeah, I'll put the Cardinals in there at eight and eleven or eight and uh, nine. And then I've got the 49ers going like that's still below seven 500. and ten. Oh, yeah, it is. I, this fucking 17-game <laughs> schedule really confuses me. I see eight wins, and I automatically think that's above 500. Yeah, it was funny. because when 500 you said, or above. You, you said, when you said 500 earlier, I was like, a team really can't go 500 unless they get a tie now. I know, but you see 800 or eight, and I'm like, oh, that's 500. And then it's like, oh, wait, it's no, it's not. It's 800. It's episode um, to get things wrong, baby. <laughs> Board to the wall. Yeah, right. Wall, ball to the wall. <laughs> um, yeah, so I have the um, same. Yeah, I got uh, the Rams winning this division big. Rams, Seahawks, Cardinals, Niners. I don't think Rams are going to do it big. If anything, it's going to be by a game. Um, but no, I was trying to say, uh, yeah, there's no way I'm going to go 30 episodes to clip something. So I think you're fine, buddy. I was yeah, lucky true. enough. It was only last week I had to go to. So. All right, ladies and gentlemen, don't know if you heard, but since the last time we all hung out, we had uh, the Major League Baseball All-Star Weekend. We are now in the all well, we were in the All-Star break. It's been a while since we've uh, talked Major League Baseball. Only one thing, we've got a few things we want to go over. As everyone here knows, I'm not the biggest baseball fan, so Joe's going to kind of take over this one. I just want to say, okay. Shohei Otani is a magnificent specimen of a human being. That's it. That's all I wanted to say. <laughs> yes. Um, Take it away, yeah. Joe. 
So real quick, uh, I mean, All Star Festivity is so old now. I don't even know why I put it in there. So, Brandon, through the halfway mark, I just wanted to touch on a couple things here. Uh, but I wanted to ask you each one of them because it's customary for you to kind of flounder and you to pull up the standings. That's why yeah. I'm vamping right now. Brandon, who do you think the most disappointing team oh, I'm, in the I'm MLB good. is right now? I'm good on this one, and I follow very rarely am I checking baseball stats, but I can tell you right now, off the top, most disappointing team in the entire Major League Baseball I feel a bit coming. sport. No, it's the New York Yankees. Are you out of okay. your, are you outside your mind? The Yankees. No, I, feel, I feel like you're going to take a million dollar roster, and they're fucking all these huge heavy hitters, these right-handed batters, just swing or like home runs or strikeouts, and they're floundering. They're they're garbage. They're terrible this year. Yeah. Okay. Good job. Um, they're not How terrible, about you? but they're Wait, not where as you good at? as they should be. No, no, no. I agree with you. I thought you were gonna take a shot. Uh, the, at the way Marlins. the media talks about it, you think they've like haven't won a single game. Yeah, I know. Um, but yeah, no. Um, since you took them, I'll go with my second most disappointing team. Loki, it's the Los Angeles Angels, and I shouldn't be shocked because. They just haven't invested in pitching and all the pitching they've invested in. It's like people's third and fourth and they're trying to make them their number one. And they're trying to actually to do everything. Mike Trout got hurt again this year, so we don't know where he is. I haven't even heard Anthony Rendon's name uh, since he got signed over. Oh, I forgot about him. After uh, he left the Nats after their World Series. So get the Los Angeles Angels wasting away good talent. It's just so frustrating. Um, so, yeah, they just need to be. Be better. You went and got Joe Madden and you're still terrible. Like, what was the point? Hmm. Why? You're wasting everybody's yeah. time. Especially with Joe Madden. Joe Madden's a great coach. Or manager, <clears throat> I'm sorry. All right, Brendan, who is your surprise team at the halfway mark here? Team that Okay, so this is going to be kind of a... This is a kind of a cheat because this was the surprise team at the beginning of the year, but I'm sticking with it. The San Francisco... Padres. Sorry. <laughs> San Diego Padres. San Diego Padres. Yeah. San okay. Diego Padres. I said San Francisco because I clicked on MLB and it said SF versus LA. So I had that okay. on the brain. No. Um, San Diego, uh, while uh, at the beginning of the year, I was really shocked because if I'm not mistaken, they were the ones who were taking the Dodgers to the yard. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe I have that right. Um, and they've kind of fallen off over as, as, as the seasons continued, but still above 500, uh, 13 games above 500. They are 55 and 42 right now. Uh, this is a team that I don't even remember us really talking a whole lot about uh, in the last you know year and a half. We've been doing this show. What? Um, and Has he been now listening? it's. Has he been listening? At I don't. All? I I've tune been... you out when you talk baseball. <laughs> I've been singing their phrases. I'm a big fan of Manny Machado, even though he's a horrible guy. I'm. Uh, I like a good villain, and they have the villain and the angel on their team because Fernando Tatis is one of the most exciting people ever. Uh, they went out. Yeah, and got Blake Tatis. Snell that's why we talk about him. I was like, yeah. I'm looking at the roster, and I'm like, I know there's a reason we talk about them all the time. <laughs> yeah, and they've got you Darvish, which I really like. Um, I love Tatis. That dude is just a whole bundle of fun. And I, they're my, they, the question was, who's my surprise team this year right now? And it's for me, it's the San Diego Padres. 
Okay, my surprise team, I mean, I could go with the team in the division that I did not foresee being leading the division at all, the San Francisco Giants, which I thought you were going to go with because the Dodgers should be number one in that division, but they are currently two games behind the Giants. But I will go a step further and go back to the division we were talking about earlier with the Yankees. I am stunned that the Boston Red Sox essentially went from, they weren't worse last year, but they were second worst in the division last year to first in the division now, only one game above the Rays. Uh, Chris Sale hasn't come back from his Tommy John surgery yet. Uh, Alex Verduga has, who they got in the Moogie Betts trade, is paying dividends this year. Um, I think it's Rever, Rever Devers has been playing extremely well at third base and Xander Bogart's a fucking professional. So the Sox seemingly have put it all together uh, in a short period of time after everybody was uh, calling them out for getting rid of Mookie Betts and not paying Mookie Betts. They've turned it around in pretty much a year. And I mean, the pandemic was last year. So in pretty much a year or half a year, and they have the number one team in the division, and they get to look down on the Yankees, which is always good if you're in Boston, I guess. Not only that, but I'm going to drop a little draft nugget on you. Um, they ended up getting one of the top at the. They had the fourth pick in the draft. They ended up snagging probably the guy who was projected as the number one overall prospect in this draft, due to some weird circumstances with teams taking other other people. They got they ended up drafting the number one. I I just remember someone saying, "Oh, this guy was supposed to be the number one overall prospect, but he fell to them pitcher? at four. That's all I remember. No. Okay, but I don't know who you're referring to. Okay, Brennan. What um, is the I've oh. got. Hang on. I wanted to let you know who I had. Oh, okay. I was going to ask. You. I've got. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I jumped the question. Go ask the question, and then I'll I'll jump in. <laughs> Uh, what's the best division in baseball right now? Okay, here we go. The so, most competitive. The best division. division. We, we, we've talked about it this whole time. We've danced around. It's the NL West. Ladies and gentlemen, San Francisco at 59 and 34. LA Dodgers at 58, 37. And the San Diego Padres at 55 and 42. Round out the top three in that division. And then you got Colorado in there, you know, being Colorado. And Arizona's just utter garbage but the top three teams at the um at the top the the best teams at the top of that division are all above 50 wins all way above 500 they're dominating so i think it is the nl west marcelo mayer is who they drafted shortstop yeah um yeah that's who it was jack lighter went to the rangers um yeah, the best division. Yeah, it was like some weird. Stand out, stand out West. Yeah. <clears throat> obviously. Obviously. I'm mad because I thought it was going to be NL East this year, but man, all the teams have just been beating each other up and then injuries on top of injuries. The Grom is in and out of the lineup. Bakunia just got hurt. None of the Marlins good players can stay healthy. Like, Jesus. Uh, the Nats. Are they're starting to bounce back, but they kind of careened in the first half of the season, so it's going to be a hard hole for them to dig out of. And then the Phillies, huh, the Phillies, the Phillies helped me win my first sports bet ever, by the way, by losing to the Marlins. Really? Yeah, yeah. Me there and Scott go. were me and Scott were walking. Uh, I forgot where we were walking to, but we were walking through Park MGM, and then 
like they have like little betting kiosks and uh, he was like you want to place a bet and i was like sure i got 20 bucks and then he was like what do you want to bet it on and i was like let's do something we can cash out right like right after this so i was like marlins fills second game of a double header seven innings we definitely can win that i was like as long as we lose the first game scott we'll win the second game and you know what we lost the first game won the second game baby there you go boom um, did you money, want to talk money, about money, the money, trade money. deadline approaching? I don't even know when the trade deadline is for the Major League Baseball. Uh, it's like, I think it's at the end of this week or next week. I put it in. I meant to look up other people, but the only name I know is Sterling Marte from the Marlins. We're definitely trading him. So it's been a good ride, buddy. Got to help us get to the playoffs last year. And uh, that's about it. I mean, he's a 32-year-old outfielder. We have a bunch of outfielders. In the uh, in the pipeline, so I didn't expect them to really make a true effort to resign him. But yeah, okay, there we go. Oh yeah, Doc Peterson also got traded to Atlanta after Acuna got hurt. And uh, who was that? The Doc Peterson. That was the bit. Yeah, that's the one I was going to bring up. <laughs> and uh, I think the Mets are probably going to trade for a starter or two um, to give. Yeah, they have to. They have to rest to Grom. DeGrom's yeah. got that arm tightness. You got to rest him. Forearm tightness. All right. Brandon, what time is it? Time for the quick hits. And you'll be surprised how quick and quick. Name hits. Quick hits. All right, ladies and gentlemen, quick hits. We're going to be quick about this. Joe and I are going to go back and forth about a couple other sports. Uh, I believe Joe. Yeah. You got the British Open. Just happened. Um Dude. Let's be quick about it. Normally, I do the golf thing, but I was um, in New York City at my brand new apartment uh, this weekend, so I did not have a chance to catch the British Open. I did see that uh, Morikawa won, which was a huge thing. I really like that guy. He is... um, I heard about it on PTI, but I also... Yeah, he's super young. A lot of young guns. Uh, Rom and Spieth, both under 30. Um, Louis Oosthuizen is a little older, but I love just saying Louis Oosthuizen. Yeah, I, 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 I was like, your from, boy um, dropped the ball again, man. He was first. I, I think he was again, number one again. at the start of day three and he ended up third. Yeah, the thing is, I've never seen, the win, which is awesome. I've never seen Louis Oosthuizen. I've only heard his name. I've never seen his face. You'd recognize him by his name. ears. Big old ears. Big old floppy <laughs> ears. Um, yeah, he but does. yeah, Colin like Morikawa, like, like, like uh, I believe his second major. He won the PGA Tour last year with no fans. He won the British Open with fans this year, so that was pretty cool. Um, Jordan Spieth, he looks to be getting right, but he needs yeah, to win. Yeah, we called that. Otherwise, he still needs to win, though. We st- being second place is cool and all, but it's not first place. Like Phil wasn't Phil didn't your first really or your become last, Phil. Baby. Until he started actually winning, until he won the Masters after yeah. losing for so long. So, uh, yeah. Also, what happened? Are we ever gonna see Rory get it right? No. He's he's over the hill. We're calling that now. I mean, he's thirty three, right? I he's thirty three. I don't see him. Yeah, I don't see him. But thirty two or thirty three, I don't see him bouncing back. Wow. I mean, he's got, you know, his girl now and he's, he's, he's got a lot going on. I think he's got a kid now. Um, I mean, nobody loves Rory McIlroy more than I do, but. (laughs) Another thing that was um, a bit odd about this British Open going into it, there were a number of 
back out between uh, COVID and just contact tracing and stuff. So a lot of guys had to back out. So the field wasn't as deep as it could have been, but that takes nothing away because the course is always tough and more power. He won. He won the day. Yeah, it was good. I loved it. Um, yeah, he's 32. He'll be, uh, damn. He'll be 33. He'll be 33 this year. God. Speaking of COVID and all that good stuff, Brennan, I got a question for you. This is different than the question I asked you a couple weeks ago, but should the Olympics even happen? Yes. As Tony Kornheiser says, it is a television show. It is for selling ads. The Olympics should still happen. I'm not going to be super into it, but I'm never into the Olympics like that. Um, So it'll it'll still happen, though. This is this is getting real bad. I was about to say, I feel like Have every how many- hour somebody else gets COVID and has to back out. And I'm like, why are we doing this? Like for who, for what? Like we're putting, we're putting our best. And the answer to all your questions is money, athletes. my friends. Mm, no, the Kornheiserism. Uh, we're putting all the best talent around the world in peril. Like we're putting them, we're, we're jeopardizing their future and the potential is- and athletic ability. The worst part about it is because it's the Olympics and it's only held every four years. And some of these athletes are in, let's be honest, sports that aren't high income sports. So the way that they can make their money is to perform in the Olympics and get endorsement deals. That's the only one of the only times they'll have the ability to make a solid living that we expect from a professional athlete. Um, A lot of times these people work second and third jobs training because they don't make money or some of these countries subsidize their Olympic athletes and basically pay them to train, but that's not, they're not making baseball money. They're not making basketball money or football money. So it's a shitty thing because it's like, I have one opportunity to showcase my talent on the Olympic stage. Cause let's be honest, most Olympians have one Olympics. Sometimes you get two freak athletes get more than that, but you normally get one, maybe two. And that's if you're in the right age range, like you have to be in that weird age range of like 18 to 20 when you start. So then that way you're not out of your prime by the time the second Olympics rolls around. So they're going to, my whole, this is a long way to say they're going to go. If they're going to hold the Olympics, these athletes will compete in it regardless of future damage. And that's, that's disappointing because the, the broadcast companies are not going to stop the Olympics because it's a multi multi billion dollar industry. So these athletes are going to compete in it because this might be their only opportunity to compete in it. And it's just shitty because God forbid they have an underlying condition they don't know about, or they get really sick or it fucks up their whole, like you said, they're earning potential for the rest of their life because they wanted to compete in the Olympics, but it's a television show. People are going to watch. So they're going to hold it. And I I don't know. I've never been that into the Olympics anyway. So for me, it's kind of like, eh, whatever. Three quick things. Uh, one, the first Olympic event was held today. I just find that hilarious. Softball kicked off today. Um, two, there's going to be no fans in the stand. Ugh. So Friday at the opening ceremony, no fans in the stand. Who are you going to be waving to? What's the it's point? It's literally going to be just a television show. I was about to say, like, what the heck's the point of that? You're going to be waving to the camera, basically. Don't if you if one person puts their hand towards the stand with nobody in it, I'm going to have a fit. <laughs> and third, I do that at shows all the time. I walk out and I point up. <laughs> um, third, I forgot what third was. Anyway, 
the WNBA quick recap. No games right now because the WNBA is taking a break for the Olympics. Um, but they had their all-star game uh, last Wednesday, and it was a cool little format where they did the WNBA all-stars versus the U.S. team that's going to go play in the Olympics. Um, WNBA all-stars actually ended up I had a question them. for you about that. Go for it. Are the WNBA all-stars not also on the Olympic team? Um, If they were on the Olympic team, they just put them on the Olympic team. The all stars were whoever wasn't on the Olympic team. Okay, got it. Yeah. Thank so you. basically, the first round was if you're on the Olympic team, you're automatically in, and then whoever of not in on the Olympic team, they just went by the vote totals. So yeah. Wow. Um, and then the all stars ended up beating them. Yeah. Exactly. Pretty good, right? So it was like a second tier all star team, and they still ended up beating the Olympic team. Yeah, it's like the select team. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, that's crazy. Uh, Arika Gumuwale was the All Star MVP. Courtney Williams from My Atlanta Dream uh, had 15 off the bench. Jaquel Jones, who is a loose, had 18 and 14. Um, all of that. Brianna Stewart was able to put up 15, and Brittany Griner put up 17. They were the only two starters in double digits, and Sylvia Fowles off the bench had 12. Uh, I think the U.S. women ended up losing their first two exhibitions, this one included, and then one after, and then they finally won their third. Uh, similar to the men, they're kind of off to a slow start because the seasons are so close, yeah. so the teams aren't getting to practice. But um, hopefully they round it. Got to work it out, baby. Got to work it by out. By the time the Olympics start. Brennan, I had one quick hockey question for you now. Yes. I don't know if you saw this, but... Today, when re- actually when we're recording this, and when this gets released, hopefully, as far as I guess this in time, um, the Kraken will be doing their expansion draft, and a goalie for the Montreal Canadiens, Carey Price, who was just in the uh, Stanley Cup pl- finals. Stanley Ooh. Cup final. I was say almost stepped into there. Um, Carey Price was left unprotected. He had a clause that he could have protected himself, um, but he waived it. He's unprotected. Now, do you think the Kraken will take the financial hit that it yes. is to take Carey Price? <laughs> well, you're supposed to wait for me to finish sorry. the question. <laughs> do you think they'll take... Wait, what's the financial, the financial hit? I'm sorry. Yeah, finish the question. I think he's like, um, if they were to take him, he'll be they one just- eighth of their cap. Holy shit. Yeah. I, the, first of all, that's insane. Also, I don't know if you saw this. I just looked it up. You know who's also not protected? Who? Alexander Ovechkin. What? How is that not a bigger story? What? What? Gio, Gio, I don't know that I can't pronounce his name. Giordano. <laughs> Giordano, Ovechkin, Price, uh, Tarnasco among those available to the 32nd team. This was just updated an hour ago. Oh, wow. So huge story. Um, Some of the top players left unprotected and available to Seattle um, are Montreal Canadiens goalie, Carey Price, which we talked about, the St. Louis Bruce forward, Vladimir uh, Tarnasco, Washington Capitals forward, Alex Ovechkin. Wow. 
Nashville Predators forward Ryan Johansson and uh, Matt Duchene, Carolina Hurricanes defenseman Doogie. 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 Doogie Hamilton. Doogie. Look like Doogie. Um, and then, yeah. And then Tampa Bay Lightning forward Yanni Gord, Alex Kilrong. Orlando. <laughs> Platt. I love Platt. Oh, no. I got to see. Damn. They're going to get stacked. Andre Platt is one of well, my favorite players. And then Alex Kilorn. 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 They got to be strategic. Oh, God. I remember playing. I remember playing with these guys in fucking NHL uh, 2017. So they have to take on their, their obviously their current contracts. Yeah, exactly. So, that so they really can't get them all. off. Yeah. So I'm looking at this right now. Uh, the cap hit they would take is 10.5 million with Carey Price. Um, they could go out and get. Yeah, but they could go out and get Jonathan Quick from the Kings at 5.8. I like, like Jonathan Quick. Ben Bishop. Years old at this point. Those, yeah, both of those true. guys he, are like 500 really years old at this point. But yeah, no, I was Jonathan thinking Quick's they 35, could probably Ben Bishop, do former Tampa Bay, is 34. Hmm. I think Carey Price is like 32. What were you going to say? Um, I was going to say this He's is similar to yeah. um, when, uh, what's the boy's name? He plays on Vegas now. Mike Andre, Mike, Mark Andre Fleury was available Fleury. from the Penguins, and the Knights were able to take him, build around him, and got hot and were able to get to Stanley Cup Finals immediately. And they've been a solid team since entering the league. So I, I just thought it would be interesting yeah, if so we could see history repeat itself. That would be pretty cool. And I know this is supposed to be a quick hit, but this is actually turned into a segment just because of all those names that are available. Yeah, I know. I didn't know. It's obviously not like a fantasy draft. You can't take everybody because uh, there's a salary cap in place. But this this becomes the question. Do you take an outstanding goaltender, even if he's a little bit older, and try to build around him? Or do you go out and take some like proven offensive talent, like an Ovechkin or like an Andre Platt, and try to like make up the goalie in the back end? Because we've seen it both ways. Like you said, what happened with the Golden Knights going out and getting that veteran presence in the, uh, between the poles. But then... There's teams like the Tampa Bay Lightning who had um, Ben Bishop, who was like their veteran presence, but he just wasn't getting it done. They put in Vasilevsky for a couple of games and then he outplayed Ben Bishop and then they ended up traded Ben away and he was the young gun talent. So, you know, you can get lucky with a goaltender, especially if the goaltender gets hot because um, it's a psychological thing more than anything else. So where where do you stand on that? I, I think they should take Carey Price. I think that would be a solid foundation for the team. Yeah. I'd say Carey Price because a goalie has more longevity than, say, an Alexander Ovechkin who is literally in the tail end of his. He's like what thirty five or thirty six. So I just think you you're gonna yeah. get more. But good that name years. would sell jerseys. That name would sell a lot of jerseys. But I think you're just gonna get more. You're gonna get more good years out of your goalkeeper. So I think that's who you gotta go. With. I agree. Carey Price, that's who they're going to take with their first pick in the expansion draft. Potentially. Potentially. I'm trying to see if the Panthers made Bobrovsky available. Uh, He didn't come up on the uh, top players to watch. I'm looking at it. They protected him for some reason. But they let Drew to be unprotected. So they could grab Drew to, honestly. Drew's a pretty damn good goalie. But all right. All right. That's the quick hits. 
That was the that was our strongest Enough hockey segment. That was our strongest hockey segment. I know. Ever. <laughs> Woo. Welcome to the big leagues. That is okay. All right, quick hits. This will be a short essay portion. Since I hosted, I will go last. Joe, are you seating your time or do you have a quick hit? Uh, or, I'm sorry, do you have a walk-off? I have a walk-off, a quick walk-off, in fact. Um, nothing written down. Again, I was living it up in Vegas, folks. But um, something cool did happen. Um, a family friend, a brother, per se, um, reached out to me a couple months ago saying he wanted to start a podcast. He had a very good idea. And, um, yeah, he just asked me for tips and whatnot because he had been listening to the show. He heard us and he heard, I mean, he wanted sound quality questions, honestly, more so than anything. Um, and yeah, I just kept supplying them with information because supplying them with information. Uh, he asked me to, I asked him if he needed help with, with, um, a graphic for the podcast. He said, yeah, I made a graphic for him and, He's released two episodes now. It's an interview-based show. It is um, very niche because it revolves around one conference in uh, collegiate sports. So it is called A-Sun Pros. He reaches out to and interviews uh, guys who have made it professionally out of the A-Sun conference. And there's a great little loophole where he's going to use past A-Sun teams as well. So that includes FAU, UCF, UNF, Florida Gulf Coast, uh, Belmont, Mercer, all the heavy hitters in the conference. Um, the two people we had so far were Wadid Aminu, the younger brother of Al-Faruq Aminu, and Bo Beach, who was a part of the team, the UNF team that got... UNF, my alma mater, to its first NCAA basketball tournament. So two episodes out. Check it out. A-Sun Pros with Brian Ross. Oh, that's good. There's a huge shout out to UNF um, in my latest podcast with my sister because she graduated from UNF. Oh, so Because there's a UNF shout out. Of course, there's a Joe Dorville shout out. As always. All right, Joe, shut up. I'm I have a real, to it. real heavy, real heavy walk off this week. Not super heavy, but it's actually, I started writing it. Full disclosure to everybody. I was like, oh, I just need a quick walk off for Monday. And then it ended up becoming this uh, longer, almost essay uh, that I wrote. So title of my walk off this week is Duval Till We Die, which uh, for those of you who are uninitiated, that is a catchphrase that we say here in Jacksonville. DTWD. All right. <clears throat> Never heard. I spent the last few days in my new apartment in New York City and was faced with a cold reality. I am not in Duval anymore. It is not the magnitude of the city or the terrifying realization that I now have no more excuses to further my career in comedy that filled me with anxiety and fear. But the fact that I am no longer surrounded by people who share the same love and passion for the Jaguars NFL franchise as I do. That sounds like a dumb reach for a quick walk-off, but on the contrary. I have always said, when you play football as long as I have, you root for the game itself, not really a team. Over the past eight years that I have been in Jacksonville, that has become less and less true. When I was a kid, I loosely followed the Lions of Detroit because I love their color scheme 
and I forever wanted the underdog to win, and they were always the underdog. But I never had any ties to the team. I played college football in South Florida, so for a time I rooted for the Dolphins of Miami. But in either case, these were not my teams. I always lingered on the periphery, never becoming overly invested. Then, in 2013, I came to Jacksonville and became enamored with their NFL franchise, the Jaguars. As a, as a Florida kid who loves football, I knew about the organization on the surface level, but the more I investigated, the more I realized how their existence mirrored that of my own adult life. They started out hot, winning almost instantly. They were relatively unknown and did not have the strongest fan base, but they were winning. That was me in my early adult life at my new beginning in college. When I first arrived, I knew only a few core people, but I was getting good grades and on a path of dominance. I was winning. Then something happened. For the Jags, it was Coughlin left, Brunel got old, and the team lost its way. In the wake was a fan base perplexed and anxious at the sudden and abrupt downward shift. Would they ever get it back? For me, I lost football, began drinking and doing drugs at an alarming rate. But similarly, I too lost my way and left my family and friends with that same perplexed, anxious feeling. Then in all that shit, a glimmer of hope. For the Jags, it came in the way of the 2017 season, where some savvy new additions to the team and a smash mouth style of defense won the day. And they went all the way to the AFC championship game, three plays away from a Super Bowl. For me, it came in the form of rehab and meeting someone I thought I would spend the rest of my life with. But alas, this rekindled success for both the Jaguars and I turned out to be a flash of lightning over a darkened night sky, not the inevitable dawn to brighten the day. Just like that, just like that, a new season of unforeseen despair for the Jaguars through bad play, injuries, and contract disputes. For me, it was my inevitable relapse, which led to the implosion of my health, happiness, and upward-trending success. In both cases, we lost people we thought loved us and would never leave. In their case, it was fans, fans they thought held an unrelenting loyalty. In my case, it was someone I thought, too, had an undying loyalty. Through the turmoil of the next few years, in both instances, things get much worse. The Jags had to trade away all those key pieces and start from scratch, dragging the few loyal fans left with them, and I began to spiral out of control in a manner not yet seen by me or people around me. But... Then this beautiful thing happened, probably the best thing ever. The Jags went one in 15 <laughs> right before the draft that has arguably the best quarterback prospect, since, uh, quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck. And similarly, I was rushed to the emergency room a few days after my 30th birthday bender dying from severe alcohol poisoning. It turns out Harvey Dent was right. The night is always darkest before the dawn. Now the Jaguars have a fresh start with amazing talent, and I am starting a new chapter in the greatest city in the world when it comes to comedy with a person I love and over three years sober. It has been a, been a long, arduous road for both the Jags and I, but at the end of the day, you could never wish to change any of it because the great seasons moving forward, and yes, I will say they will be great seasons moving forward, will be that much better because of the heartbreak of the past. And for me, I would not be who I am today without the heartbreak of my past. So even though it is a new city, I will forever be linked to Jacksonville. I will always have a special place in my heart for this city and for the Jags. As much as I hate this city and hate the Jags sometimes, I will always be Duval till we die. I've never heard that phrase. That's it. it was kind of long. Yeah, it came up in the 2017 season. You saw DTWD ah. everywhere. And I was like, the fuck does that mean? 
So after I boogied is what you're saying. Yeah, you you boot scoot and boogied, man. <laughs> All right. That's it. To That's the press the, conference. the walk-offs, baby. Let's go. And we'll bring you the press conference in its entirety. All right, Brennan, Joe, what you got? Before we get into the press conference. Go for it. Before we get into this. Um, so that whole comparing myself to the Jags thing, you'll get a kick out of this because you've done stand up before. <laughs> I originally thought of that as a joke premise because something happened with the Jags and I was like, oh my God, that's so crazy. Like this, I think it was um when they when Jalen Ramsey got traded away to the Rams and then Blake Bortles showed up and I was like, Oh, it's like groundhog day for Jalen Ramsey. He's looking around the locker room. Like the fuck is going on. Um, And then I was like, Oh yeah. And I was like, Oh, that's so crazy. That's like, like I, in the joke, I was like comparing my ex fiance to Jalen Ramsey. Like I had this new person in my life that I loved and I thought they loved me and we were going to be together forever. And then they left. And then my current girlfriend is Josh Allen comes in and I'm like, "Ah, I got this better person now. (laughs) Um, so that was the whole premise of the joke. And I, so that's when I really sat down and I started like going through comparing my life to the Jags as an organization. And I'm not going to lie to you as I was writing it, cause I was throwing in tags and making it funny and stuff. Yeah, and I was like, sad. this is going to change comedy. <laughs> like this is going to change comedy. Like this is the greatest thing anyone's ever thought of. Like I'm paralleling my life to a sports franchise and it actually lines up as you heard from my walk off it lined up and i was like this this is going to change the face of jacksonville comedy i'm going to get a standing <laughs> ovation for this bit and then i did it crickets and, and like, you I, did it that and one was really sad no one's really a jacksonville jaguar fan <laughs> yeah that one's the the way i did it in the walk off is kind of sad and i threw in some like there's hidden gems in there. If you like movies as much as I do, there's a mighty ducks reference. There's also, um, obviously the dark night reference. There's a, but I'm just saying, I thought it was going to change comedy. (laughs) Anyway, follow me on all social media at Brennan T comedy. Uh, check out my other podcast. Brennan Tassif is your ex drinking buddy. Uh, check out Brennan T comedy.com upcoming dates and up in the Northeast coming up and the merch store. Joe has work in the morning, so Joe, let them know where they can find you, and we'll get out of here. Please and thank you. Uh, my name is Joe Dorville. Joe Dorville.com. <laughs> Joe Dorville on Twitter and Instagram. Joe Dorville.com. Uh, at Hearing Press on Twitter and Instagram for this show. Um, at Anulo.co for everything pod-related. Me and Brennan can finally shave our playoff beards because all the playoffs are done now. Uh... I think that's it. It's a brand. It's a look. (laughs) Brennan, get me to bed, please. All right. That's why we play the game. Hello. Hello. Huge shout out, Con family and the Jaguars. I'm going to miss you. You've all. Tony, Tony, we need to talk. You have been listening to the Anulo Podcast Network. We have four tremendous podcasts on our current roster. If you like the hit Broadway musical Hamilton, then you also might enjoy hearing the Ham Boys rank every song from the Hamilton soundtrack on Who Does a Podcast. 
with hosts Headphone Joe and Kyle Loader. Get your sports talk radio fix with Cheers from the Press Box featuring Headphone Joe Dorville and stand-up comedian Brennan Tassif. Curious about how the brain works? Get your neuroscience knowledge with some laughs at Misbehavior Journal Club. This fortnightly science-slash-comedy podcast is where two lady researchers bring you the latest studies on behavior. It stars Amiel Moreno and Leah, a.k.a. Leah, or vice versa, Crevet. Finally, we have a new low. The podcast has started it all. This show features Farzad, Headphone Joe, Kyle Loader, L. Greg, and Scott by Scott. They discuss anything and everything depending on their moods or their level of sobriety at the time. Thank you for supporting the Anulo Network, and feel free to share your favorite episodes with friends and family. Thanks again, and goodbye.